What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, presented by UberLiftDrivers.com. I'm your host, SJ, and let's get it on. All right, uh, last week we talked about PUA2 or uh, CARES Act extension or um, executive orders and exactly what all this means. Um, so as, as we talked about before, the president issued the executive orders and I won't go into the breakdown again, but just in a nutshell, it was for $400, but a hundred had to come from the state for each person. No state could withstand that for longer than a three week period. And it would, it would have completely broke down systems where money was allocated to other things. So it was, it was not a doable or feasible project right out of the gate. Um, I do understand. I mean, I think personally that the fact that the house was on recess for a week came back for a week. And then the Senate went on their long recess until a week from now, which was about a two and a half, three week break. I think that they should have patched July to September, you know, July 26th to September 15th with the PUA for people and just continue it as it is at 600. Um, but then on whatever date they had said, have it just drop dead and make sure that they address this because we did just see the, you know, them come back in and vote on this post office thing. Um, you know, I know, I know that, you know, one side wants this, one side wants this. And I know we're talking about a huge difference. We're talking about $1 trillion as opposed to $3 trillion. So yeah, there's got, and I'm sure that the allocations of those money in both of those packages looks very different, but we still have to, this should have been continued to stop and let people fall down to the regular state UI, especially all these people who had never been on it. Um, literally aren't used to these type of programs. And I'm not saying that they live, you know, so out of the norm that, you know, tough, they need to deal with it. But this is a whole group of people who, even on this, none of us are used to stay at home orders, any of this. And they had to, you know, everybody's had to live on this amount of money. And it's not like, I mean, I know it adds to our our debt, but again, folks, go to usdebtclock.org, and uh, you'll see that um, taking care of our own and adding three trillion to that number, yeah, I mean, it looks it sounds big, but when you look at the big picture on that website, maybe it won't feel so big because we do need to take care of people, and people are getting screwed right now, um, you know moratoriums have ended uh rent is due and you know next week um pua hasn't been going for a month as of last sunday or four weeks as of last sunday and exactly a month to the date the 26th of july to the 26th of uh of august is tomorrow right yeah so i mean i don't know we talked we, we said this too but they knew this was coming. They should have had a plan in place, especially given the fact that so many times our efforts failed in containing the virus and slowing the spread. I mean, we just, 
you know, the riots, the protests, and I know the protests, you know, that just was bad timing, but the riots that came after it that are still going on, um, we now have a new issue all over the country, but it's been here in Denver a few times too, of, you know, you have people who are diehard wearing their masks every day, um, you know, so any kind of social or anything outside of their property kind of thing and the people they live around. Um, they're wearing masks at the store, this, that, and the other. Well, the, you know, I don't know. Here in Denver, there's a decent amount of people not doing the mask thing now. Um, there's way more people who are, for sure, but there's starting to be a group of no-mask wearers um, just kind of making some decisions from the, for their, for, from the, for themselves that affect others. And also we've got people not wearing masks, um, getting very aggressive with people with masks, including rideshare drivers, gig workers. Um, there was a hostess at an Applebee's in Aurora who, uh, who got hit. Was it six times in the face by a person who wasn't wearing a mask? Um, she was trying to seat them with a mask because we have limited indoor seating as well as outdoor. Um, and I know I'm not sure how I feel about that either. The, we've tried this twice in this state and this is the third time. I know we got to start getting stuff reopened, but, um, restaurants and it's an industry I know well, seems like outdoor. If, if you can do outdoor, do outdoor because indoor should have to be, I still think pick up. So you could still open your kitchens, you could still semi-staff, but, I mean, having people inside the restaurant is is very dangerous. Um, you know, you can't eat, you can't, uh, you can't drink, you can't, you can't do anything without taking off your mask. So if you wear a mask in, they seat you, and even if they've got it very distanced, which I've seen a lot of places not be um, inside, you have very, very powerful AC units or swamp coolers or whatever it is that are sucking in um, that rancid air and then dispensing it throughout. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, but regardless, back to the PUA. So what's happened is President Trump um, signed executive orders after the Senate went on recess. But really all he did was sign in the 300 that I think was going to be what this was with the amount the Senate wanted in their proposal for 1 trillion to go through December 1st. Whereas the other proposal is for 3 trillion to go till January 1st or right. And that would be staying at the 600. Um, but anyway, he signed it as four. So he looked, I think like he wasn't straight with the Senate vote. Um, but he, but he was because he was just adding on the hundred from a state that they can't afford. So what ended up happening was that FEMA has stepped in, um, the Federal Emergency Management Association. And uh, if you know much about FEMA, you know once a natural disaster is declared, um, usually a tornado, a hurricane, like leveling a, a, a city or really doing damage beyond the city's control, FEMA steps in. And FEMA funds projects. They, they, you know, they have set amounts put aside for fires and hurricanes and all this that are going on right now. 
but um, it looks like they will also have a, an amount to play with here. It does get a little tricky, though. So until FEMA stepped in, those executive orders did not mean squat. Okay, They didn't mean anything at all because um, the president can't do that. He needs the House and the Senate to approve those that kind of funding, um, especially for a bill, the CARES Act, which already was created bipartisan and, and went um, like in a day. And I know we needed that to happen. We rarely see that. But there's going to need to be an extension on it. The president just can't come and override that. He couldn't have created it out of thin air e- either. But what he did do by bringing in FEMA is a a way he can do this. Now, FEMA will only be giving the $300 a person, and you have to be earning $100 on unemployment benefits from your state um, without PUA. So when PUA ended on July 26th, that was the last week that you would have seen a payment. When that ended, then you now we're getting just the UI from the state. Even if you were a gig or freelancer or whatever, however you want to title it, those people still got the pandemic unemployment assistance, the PUA of 600. But to get that, they had to be in the system. So they gave them the low ball range. Most of them, some of them got a little higher, but um, in most States we got the near closer to the lowest side of the range for your unemployment insurance. Now it needs to be a hundred dollars. So like if you're making $97 cents PUA on just state UI, um, I, I hate to say this, but right now as it's spelled out and I double checked as it's spelled out, you won't get the additional 300, but I know that's being looked at too. Here's the biggest thing though. Um, to get the $300 a person for PUA and people who need it, your state needs to apply through FEMA directly. Now, I actually went to the link. It's a, it's a simple link where the state would go to apply or to say that they need that assistance. And it really, I, can, I could see the whole form. It really didn't ask for much. It just needed the correct, um, you know, needed the governor of that state's signature, um, it needed, uh, you know, some counts that they could pull real quickly off the database. Um, but no, other than that, it was just, just request it and we'll get it to you. Um, now, only nine states have applied for this money. This is where it gets a little tricky. $300 per person from FEMA to stop the bleeding until Congress or uh, until the Senate is back from break. So once the Senate is back, the Senate and the House will have very little time to make this happen because FEMA is only saying right now that they will pay three weeks worth. So the House gets back um, at the middle or end of next week, which is the first week in September. And, uh, or the, the Senate, yeah. So the Senate and the house will have, you know, 10 days maybe to put something together. And otherwise the FEMA money will, will run out. Here's the other 
bad part of the FEMA situation. FEMA will uh, is letting all states send in their applications. Okay, they have a budget to work with, and I believe it was forty-four billion. I believe um, that could go to this. The rest of their money they had to save for wildlife fires, hurricanes, things like that. They couldn't tap the well dry. So they've got a certain amount to work with. So FEMA will, it's, it's almost like a first come first serve thing because if FEMA comes in, they're going to back pay you to July 26th. So these nine states, and I'm not going to bother naming them because if you're in them, I'm sure you know. I heard rumors of Arizona getting payments last week, although most of the FEMA information I've seen has said that those that no payments have gone out yet and that the first would be going out the end of August and for most of the state's first week in September. And at that time, you would get 300 Plus, if you were on PUA before, you would get 300 for each week between July 26th and whenever it starts in your state. And then a maximum of three weeks once it starts, because it again, it, like I've, like I said before, it needs to be done right. The House and the Senate need to pass a, a new CARES Act, Heroes Act, whatever, and get that going because that is what needs to happen for this to be correct. Sorry, folks. Uh, the air here in Colorado, even in Denver, from all the wildfires, ozone, pollutants, everything we have going on right now. Um, it's just been crazy, and it's making everybody's throat dry, raspy. Um, sounds like, you know, every minute sounds like you've drank a bottle of whiskey an hour or something. But um, okay, California rideshare. Woo! Let's take it on. Um, last week we talked about th- when I did the podcast on Tuesday. We talked about how Thursday was the drop dead date that they were going to have to make everybody employees or else um, or else they were going to have to cease operations in the state. We got right up to the day, um, Thursday morning, uh, late morning, Lyft announced that 1159, at 11.59 p.m. on Thursday, Lyft would cease operations in the state of California. Now, we never heard it from Uber, because Uber was trying to figure out Uber Eats because we had seen stories that Uber Eats was going to stay open even if this got enforced. And I really didn't understand how that was going to happen, but um, I think they were trying to not rock the boat any more in California than they already have or whatever. But regardless, uh, they got to stay. So, you know, now we've got some we've got some court cases that we got to deal with, uh, and and we'll see what happens. But nothing changed. They both both companies were ready to to turn off the platforms at, at least temporarily. Wait till the November ballot, and then see if Proposition Two passed. And if it did, then look back at coming back into the state. If it didn't, then look back at coming into the state as what they would do um, r- regarding the how, how they would approach it. You know, would it be the franchise model? Would it be 
um, let everybody on the platform be cut, which they've been looking at, and then let uh, people on the platform reapply uh, because you, again, they're going to have an application process. Nobody will be just flipped over. So you would have to be hired and nobody has been hired yet. Um, so, uh, yeah. so anyway, it looks like that's, that's being pushed for a little bit. I will say that, uh, Axios did, um, working with, um, Benison strategy group and GS strategy group. They Axios did a Uber drivers poll and let's see. It was, it was, the poll was regarding, there was a couple other questions too, but the primary question was just two drivers. Um, would you, and this was not, this was not done through an Uber app type thing where, Hey, if you want to sign on, click here that you support this because I'm not into those kind of things, whatever. This was two private um, strategy groups, both working to see what a true poll would look like. And it kind of came out to, it was a little higher than the numbers we had thought, but we were just going on some real basic stuff of three quarters to a quarter. But the survey found 82% of drivers in the United States would rather be independent contractors and that 15% said they would prefer to be traditional employees. Um, so all the noise that's been made out in California might be muted a bit here soon because as we come up on this election, and obviously the $110 million that Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash raised to combat AB5, um, I think that we're going to see a lot of voters other things because now I was, I was relooking at these numbers and what I was talking about was strictly rideshare, but the California economy can has 1 million, uh, gig employees. When you consider the 219 gig categories or gig classified, um, jobs, and that is including the 52 that have already been carved out of AB five. Who's, who they were like, yeah, you're a gig economy and you can't pass the ABC test, but that's okay. We'll just carve you out. So they carved out 52. So, but basically there's a million, there's a million gig workers in California and the, all the numbers I've read are now matching up that just about a half a million, um, give take are, will be affected by AB five in a negative way. Um, like newspaper writers, all these kind of the things that were, you know, a freelancer could have done something before. And now they're going to have limits on that, how much they can do, how many publications they can work for, how many times a year they can write for those publications. So I know that on the AB five side, we have people who, who just want their rights. They want to have health insurance. They want this, that, the other, they want minimum wage floor. Um, so again, there's not a right or a wrong, um, cause to each person, each person holds a vote. And so you need to go cast your vote, even though AB five is a law and it was passed. Um, you really need to get out in November, whether you're pro or con AB five and push for whatever you are for. I would recommend highly. You can even go, go to our site, uberliftdrivers.com. 
and search AB5. You will see a hundred articles come up. So you can research everything on our site. Um, and if you have questions, you can hit me up, uh, uberliftdrivers at gmail.com and just put, Hey SJ, Hey Steve in the title and I can get back to you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to that right now. You know, it, it, California said, you know, you're going to have to classify them by, by midnight and, uh, or by the end of day last Thursday. And they said, well, we're not going to, we're going to seize operations. And they said, okay, well, we'll just deal with it in court then. And that brings me to this. Okay. So right now here, let me see if I got them in order. Uh, I got one out of order, but here, so here's, here, here they are in the calendar order of what's going to happen here between now and November 15th, the four lawsuits I'm about to read you all will have, all will have conclusions. So that's really not that long of a time. And in most cases they are fine. Like one of them. Okay. I'm just going to read them. Because there's four of them, and they're big. So next month, September, Uber versus the U, uh, UK Supreme Court. This is the final appeal for Uber, and it is regarding drivers' employee status. Same thing as the AB5 thing, but over there. And that is Uber's final appeal. They don't win that. <clears throat> and if the drivers are classified as employees, then that's that. Then they're employees. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> in October, yeah, in October, we have Cal- California versus Uber and Lyft on implementing the AB5 employee status or seeing how Lyft handles the contradiction. Now, on November 3rd, we all should have that date in our head. That's ballot day. That's voting day. Um, Proposition 22 will be on the California ballot. I will put a link in the linear notes to the show tonight um, to Proposition 22 because I have talked to a lot of drivers in California, and most of them just are speaking on what they've been told. You guys, it's not that long of an article, or it's not that long of something to read. It's not some legal document. It's uh, 17 pages, and you got to go through it 32 times to to understand it. It's, like, very easy to understand. I'll put a link up. Everybody should read what Proposition 22 is. Not hear about it from other people. You should read it for yourself, especially if you're in California and going to be voting on this. Um, but California P- Proposition 22 will be voted on on November 3rd. Uh, also in November... The UK unions and minicab are suing Uber. Uh, are suing Uber over how their alg- algorithm works. They're basically stating misconduct, uh, foul play, all that kind of stuff. That there's some really shady stuff going on here, and you can look it up because there's some very detailed things on that. And it's not a little lawsuit, so that one is another issue. Um, so I've been I've been reading a lot of things on the franchise model. 
Wait, before I get into the franchise model, I do want to say one thing. Um, this is Rideshare Rodeo episode number 19. Um, my favorite hockey player of all time is Steve Eiserman, number 19 from the Detroit Red Wings. Now, if you don't know who he is, don't just sit there and boo because it's the Red Wings. Um, look, look him up. And the reason I'm pointing him out today of all days is because I honestly think that Steve Eiserman, his career, everything, and, and even any anybody in the game will tell you this, too. I mean, all of his peers even say this. But he has the most and best sportsmanship you could ever see. I mean, we barely ever saw him lose it. He knew how to how to get his guys motivated. He knew how to be on the ice. He knew how to how to work all his shifts. He was a hard worker. He was he was amazing at sportsmanship. And I challenge anybody to find a athlete that you think has better sportsmanship. And I'm not saying there can't be one, but I know sports pretty well. And uh, I'll stand by that comment. He was he was quite amazing in that respect. And I'm bringing that up right now because we're talking about so many evil things with. Uber and Lyft and the way that they're just uh, everything's being handled that uh, I don't know I just wanted to tie that in episode 19 Steve Eiserman was number 19 and we just talked about a lot of negative stuff now franchise model so we talked about it last week but the franchise model basically said allows Uber to and they already use it in other countries but it allows Uber to let dri- let drivers in a certain area. So they would they'd basically franchise. So they'd franchise out an area. That doesn't mean you might get a city. Somebody's not going to have Sacramento. There might be you know like like McDonald's is. You might have thirty McDonald's in Sacramento. You might have thirty uh, Uber or Lyft uh, fleets in Sacramento that are you know, sold at a price based on that area and its ridership and how much they can make. But then what will happen is all drivers have to apply to these fleets. And then you are an employee of these fleets. You don't show up to work, you're fired. You don't take a call, you're fired. Um, All that kind of stuff. Now, I know there's a lot of hype about if Uber and Lyft were to leave, how these little guys are ready to step in. Um, I know that Bolt... And Didi are already in Silicon Valley. I, I, I know that started, the, their initial reason was to do some autonomous side work. So it wasn't like they were buying huge buildings and really taking over things. But now I think they've seen an in. I know that Get has their eyes on North America too, the rideshare G-E-T-T. Um, so those are big ones that are coming in. But there's a lot of talk right now about Alto Rides. Um and I like this company. Um, they're based in Dallas, Fort Worth, or at least that's their market right now. Um, all of their drivers are employees, and they did have a mark as their second state. Now, I don't even know if they do all of Texas. I know they do Dallas, Fort Worth. I don't know if they do Austin or some of the other cities, but I know that they had a target on California. And it was for 2021 um, to start getting a presence out there. Now, they have moved that up to November um, with the employee model that they are using. 
here's the thing, guys. Alto uses the franchise model. <laughs> so, again, I like the company. And if that's what you're looking for, maybe that'll work. I think that Alto does not have the money or resources to enter the California market and succeed. Uh, they would need some major, major, major funding. Um, that's part of the problem with rideshare is I know that everybody's like, we're 10 years in and none of these companies have seen a profit. Well, they haven't, but we're still in the baby years of rideshare, believe it or not. I mean, look at how many times we've been ta- told autonomous would have taken by now. And now we're starting to hear from the CEOs and things of the of the rideshare giants saying that, well, we really counted on autonomous by now, and that's why we're not in the profit. No, it's not, because 100 million times you said, and you can go to uberliftdrivers.com and research this. The site's been up almost four years now, and it's got tons of articles on this. So um, they've always said that, you know, they hope to get to autonomous, and they've kept moving. That's been a moving target date. But at the same time, they've also admitted, or they've said that, but that won't matter. Our major business, you know, is rideshare. You know, we, we don't need autonomous to keep doing rideshare, but we will get there one day. Now, that's kind of what I've said, is that I've said, yeah, one day. And I've talked to people in this field a lot. I've interviewed a couple. Um, and bottom line is, folks, I've always said this. And every time the year timeline gets pushed back more, I just stand by it more. We're still 20, 30, 40, 50 years out from full autonomy. Full autonomy that's legal, that can empty car, can drive to your house, pick you up, take you somewhere. You know, minimal 30 years. I know that from everybody I've talked to in the field. And that includes engineers who work for some of these companies like Waymo and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really not that hidden. If you dig deep, the news is there that shows what's really going on with autonomous. So, um, you know, that's, that's not what happened, but I am pointing out that Alto, who is now looking at moving into California in November, does you, they, they do have employees, but they do use the franchise model. So they franchise out. Now, it's a little different because Alto uses their own fleets in Dallas and Fort Worth. But that's one city. I think once they move to California, they will have to outsource those fleets um, to secondary companies. Basically, the franchise, I mean, I've, I've played this through in my head 100,000 times now in, in just that week. But basically, the franchise model is creating a middleman who will be the fall guy and your new employer. So he will say, you're fired. He'll say, get out of here. You didn't take that call or, I, you know, you didn't take that ping. Well, yeah, it was, I wasn't near it. I didn't want to go. Well, you're fired. You didn't, I mean, you have to do what your employer says. We all know this. So you want employee status. You're gonna, that is one thing that everybody is going to have to finally just admit to because, it is the truth. I mean, that's what's going on, guys. Um, so while at the same time all of this stuff in legal battles is going on, um, and these other little littler companies are trying to come up, and a couple of them are trying to co-op style something and maybe see if they can't duct tape something together. But 
And maybe that maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe you know who knows. Sometimes you got to fail to create windows for success. So maybe the failure is something that they're almost expecting, and to see how it fails and quickly patch it up. But the rideshare game is an expensive game right now. It's not like you enter it and you need to get up to the par of making money. There is no par of making money, not yet. So. Unless these guys have some sweet idea that's never been used, I just don't know that we're there. I mean, um, well, yeah, we'll have to see on that one. The other couple of things I did want to mention that have either happened or are going on is, as I mentioned before, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled drivers are not independent contractors when it comes to unemployment. Now, they haven't said that your employees in the gig economy of the, pl- of the platform you work for, but they have said that when it comes to unemployment, you are not an independent contractor. So I'm not sure if they're going to be finding a way to, even if you don't become employees, what it sounds like to me is they're going to find a way to add an unemployment tax that somebody's going to have to pay. You know, maybe it's a split between driver and platform, or I don't know. Um, and Massachusetts, Massachusetts is still trying to get drivers to be classified as employees. Seattle is now trying to pass an AB five style legislation for January. So we got a lot of movement while we're still waiting for a lot of outcomes, which will happen over the next couple of weeks. And next week, um, I am going to talk about Connecticut bill nine, eight, nine. I really do want to just talk about it and not it compared to AB5, but I just want to put out, I'm going to pull up the old articles because I I started thinking about it again, and I really think that that is an amazing model and a good way to do things. So I'll put it out. If you guys want to, if you guys, I'd love to hear from you guys on it after the podcast next week, even just comments, whatever. See, I'd like to see what other drivers think of 989. I thought it was a good idea. You know, I think it's a great idea. Um, By the way, it did not pass, but it was like by one vote. You know, it was like 13 people or something, and however that worked. And, you know, you had seven said uh, no, and six said yes, pass it. So it was that deciding vote. All right, you guys, just uh, I had to clear my throat there and pause. So just a couple... uh, more things here and then I'm going to call this week a week because it's super hot. Next week's finally supposed to cool down and get out of the high 90s here in Denver, which we've been in for about a month every day with horrible, horrible fires and all this stuff. We're supposed to get rain and be in the lower 80s, upper 70s next week. So, and I've got a, I've got a few things slated for the podcast next week. But um, one thing I do want to mention tonight uh still neither of the rideshare giants neither uber nor lyft are 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 providing the correct or ample amount of ppe they are not handling getting ppe to its drivers um they really aren't doing that much of anything to be honest and i know that they were all this 
drivers and especially veteran drivers, we're used to that. We're not, we really don't count on them that much. That's why it's our business as independent contractors to take care of costs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, this is a pandemic. They need to be providing all this stuff. This is ridiculous. And also they need to have our back a little bit more. Um, I know that, I know that in May, and we discussed this, they were going to be, Derek came out, CEO Uber, and said, you know, hey, we're going to have this new software recognition, and it's going to check riders and drivers, and it's going to make sure of masks and that you're wearing them all times. And um, No, you didn't. You used the same exact programming that you've always used when I might be driving the platform and four hours into my day, it says pull over and take a picture to make sure it's still you. Pull over, take a picture. It's that same setup, and all they did was add that your face is covered. Because we tried a bunch of things, and I had the all-time winner. Um, was uh, a rideshare driver from upstate New York who uh, who sent me a video of actually not just pictures like I posted with the duct tape um, over my mouth, which is still wrong, um, no mask, but he it was a video where it said, okay, uh, pu- uh, take your picture with a mask on. He had the video rolling, and he turned, he hit okay, and then he slowly moved his hand up over his mouth and nose, and uh, it said, thanks for verifying. So um, that's pathetic. But... So that never happened. But one thing I am concerned about is that why did Uber and Lyft, or Lyft doesn't even do it, why did Uber not enforce it on the rider side? I know the technology wasn't anything, but they still could have said, you know, like when you requested a car, let's say, they could have said, take a picture with your mask on before they ever dispatched the car to you. Because... We're getting a lot of riders who are getting in the car. They don't have a mask on. They're trying to fight the driver. They're arguing. Um, If it's a longer ride, they wait like five minutes, and then they get on a phone call and take their mask off. Uh, You know, I know that everywhere's facing this. We're facing mask versus no mask everywhere. But uh, it's, it's not, you know, we're all doing our part here. And whether you agree with the mask policy or not, we've had to endure things like this. No, none of us have ever had to wear masks. But, you know, you used to be able to smoke a cigarette on an airplane. You used to be able to smoke a cigarette in a restaurant. You used to be able to smoke cigarettes indoors. Um, one by one, and in fact, in, in I think that same order that I just read them, airline, restaurants, indoors, uh, smoking got banned. Okay. And that smokers had to do that for non-smokers. So when we know that wearing a mask helps the people around you. So if you're not wearing a mask and saying, I don't believe in masks, well, that's, you're still, you're, you're going to be fine because other people are wearing masks, but you're putting other people at risk, even though you believe that. So, we are at a point where we really got to pull it together. I know the numbers are starting to finally come down, 
But we've seen this before, and we've seen it jump right back up, and we're close to flu season, too. So please, everybody, wear a mask, because I know that Uber drivers are going through all kinds of hell. I mean, from riders giving them crap to, you know, hitting them, to throwing stuff all over their back seat and destroying their car, to all kinds of stories that we read. <clears throat> Excuse my voice this week, guys. I'm really... <clears throat> choking on all this stuff air it even feels heavy okay so as i lose my voice here completely <laughs> this is crazy huh. um i'm former uber security chief joe sullivan probably saw this everybody uh charged with uh concealing the hacks that happened a couple years back in december of 50 million users' data, or 57 million. Um, so he's going to join the Anthony L. and the others who have gone down for this company um, behind bars for some amount of time, so we'll see that. And just today came out that uh, the Chicago teen who... Um, killed her Uber driver with a machete when she was 16 years old. And this was a couple years ago. Um, she was sentenced today to 27 years. Um, I'm sure it would have been a life sentence. Uh, however, she did it at 16. So pretty surprising to see that come out of that. But, you know... Yeah, I mean, we've got to start having some real laws in this country. We can't can't be doing this. And I feel like this is, it's probably just the pandemic. But even before the pandemic, I felt like the violence had gone down against drivers some. And maybe not, maybe. Regardless, um, next week, guys, I'm going to cover a lot of topics. And we're going to start moving away from this other than updates. Uh, but I will have a little section where we do an update on the California situation and the lawsuits of Uber and Lyft um, weekly that I try and keep to 10 minutes just updating and then start moving into other things again. And there's some gig economy stuff I want to talk about, some new jobs out there or new gigs. Uh, and I want to talk about uh, Connecticut 989. And I really think that everybody, um, supporters of AB5 and people who want to repeal AB5, both of you, both groups of people need to listen next week to the 989 um, information I'm going to put out there because, I don't know. I, I I think it's a really good bill that needs to be re-looked at by a lot of states, maybe even Californians, some kind of uh, meeting in the middle type thing. But for now, I am absolutely losing my voice, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut it short this week. Uh, and next week, I will just, you know, we'll, we'll be kind of moving away from some of these subjects and getting into some other new ones again. But uh, we will keep you up. I will keep you updated on all this. Um, and again, thanks for bearing with me in my voice tonight. Uh, be good to everybody. Be safe out there. Volunteer time if you're healthy. 
Stay home if you're not. Wear a mask. Be good to everybody. And with that said, I'll see you in a week. Take care of each other. Peace!